How's it going, everyone? Uh, welcome to Latin Pride Orlando. It's Friday, March 17th, 8.37 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much for being live with us. And uh, to about 10 people live, thank you so much. To everybody listening, thank you for supporting our our program, our podcast. Uh, drop us a like uh, here on YouTube. Subscribe, spread the word. If you are on an audio form, thank you so much. Make sure to answer the survey that we'll have on there as well for the show. And just check us out on all our social media channels. Um, I got out of the game and I've been late to uploading a lot of stuff. I found out my camera, my audio was completely bad. So some of the footage for the post-press conference I couldn't post. Uh, so I finally got time because people know I'm in two different outlets, one in Spanish and one in English. Like I've been so overwhelmed and I'm in transition. So um uh, I was able to put, put some pictures today. If you're able to check them out, I want to give credit to George uh, Raymond Odom. He's our um, our photographer as well, as well as Gabriel Gomez from 181 Creative. Fantastic group of guys. Definitely part of our Loud and Proud family. And uh, they put fantastic pictures there. Uh, you guys are able to share. If you are on the crowd, if you're on a crowd photo and you see yourself, send us a DM and we'll tag you you know, we'll tag you so you can spread the word as well. So thank you so much for being live. Uh, a, a tough, you know, I, I want to say it's a stupid rule, the whole away goal thing. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think with a lot of dignity, I can say Orlando City definitely uh, someone made a uh, history because they definitely represented the MLS very well. Um, Kara sh sh shut up a lot of a lot of talk that was happening around him. A lot of uh, discrediting and with a phenomenal bicycle kick that, you know, the club paid uh, for him to score goals. And, and he did. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. The away goal that Sebastián Cordoba uh, scored uh, was enough for Tigres to advance. And now they face uh, Motagua. And now, again, you know, I'm no one to knock down teams. But, I mean, Honduras, you know. Like Venezuela from Commonwealth can play against Honduras and probably destroy them. So, I mean, Bolivia as well. So, it's, you know, it could have been a fantastic chance for Orlando City to definitely get to a final stage of, of uh, the Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. Unfortunately, uh, it did not happen. And in a way, it frees up our schedule too, in a way, if you look at the positive, so we can focus on uh, the MLS and focus on uh, Leagues Cup and U.S. Open Cup, right? So, John, how do you take this? Uh, we want to start talking about Tigres. Uh, this 1-1 one, one draw, uh, a lot of controversy. And before I give you the mic, that referee should not officiate another game for CONCACAF. That was disgraceful, but go ahead, my friend. I don't know if I go as extreme as I should not officiate anymore, but I definitely think he made some, some errors. I think... When you have a, a game against a team like Tigres, it's going to be, you know, quite aggressive and try and, you know, let's say flirt with the rules, perhaps be a little bit dirty. Um, you start giving out yellow cards that quickly in a game like that, you're going to have to keep giving out yellow cards. It's going to roll into red cards. Usually a smart ref will kind of let a few fouls go at the beginning of the game. But he card throwing out yellow cards for everything. You know, these guys are – I'm not usually one to say, oh, woe is me and, and the ref. 
is the reason why we lost. And I don't, I don't think that's ever a hundred percent the case, but I don't think a ref did us any favors here. And I think he made some bad calls and I think he fell. I think he fell for Tigres a lot of the time. Those guys just, you know, diving. Sadly, a lot of, a lot of those calls were dives and, you know, he read them as fouls and you can actually go back and watch some of the highlights. We'll see two or three, the one for Mauricio, he gave a yellow card for actually looks like more of a foul from the Tigres player than it is from Mauricio. So this is an example. And then I didn't think there was enough extra time at the beginning of the first half, only three minutes. And then the extra time in the second half, like uh Pappy talked about, wasn't actually fully played. You know, we got about 45 seconds of actual play in the second half extra time. So I think that was a little bit unjust, unjust from the ref's point of view. And I think he could have done a much better job. And I think the, the fans voiced their frustration. And then Oscar's getting a red card at the end. And he was obviously very upset as well. So all around disappointing from the refs, who I thought would be better than the MLS refs. But, you know, that was, that was probably naive of me to think that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, guys, you're talking about Champions League, right? I mean, this is supposed to be the version of UEFA Champions League in Europe, Copa Libertadores in South America. This should be the North American tournament, right? And with the islands. So it, it, it deserves respect. It sh should be the best. And if you don't have the, 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 I'm sorry, I'm, and this kind of so bad, but if, if you have refs that even in their own leagues, can't really do their job. Why would you put them to officiate a game of that ma of this magnitude? And uh, call call people from Comable. Hey, how much uh, how much will you if I fly you over to to Exploria? Yeah, how much will you you know? I know that it costs probably more, but you're gonna get better level. Like if you get an Argentinian referee at this game. I'm sorry, but he would have called out a lot of the stuff that we're complaining about right now. And, and you know, he would have definitely added that time. I mean, what happened there was, I mean, utterly disgraceful for, for, for Oscar Pareja to get a red card uh, just because he went to complain. And then, and then I'm going to say Tigres, is play, Tigres players were very aggressive. Uh, that guy Pizarro, uh, he created a scuffle down the tunnel. Um, try to they try to hold Pedro, you know. People try to hold Pedro, and Pedro's like, Look, if you meet Pedro Alese, he's the most down to earth dude. Like, it takes a lot of crap for him to get to that point of like wanting to fight you. And this guy, the whole game, the whole game, Tigres were using that. And that's one thing I'm gonna say. I'm very proud of Orlando City, of the players. Because psychologically, uh, they were very mentally strong to withstand the talk that they were doing. Not only um, the Mexican media, not only uh, the fans, the Tigres fans, but also um, the players and the coach. To the point that the coach in the post-press conference comes out and says, I don't think that we're not, we're not going to get dinged for that. Pretty much he said it like that. We're not going to get dinged for that. It happens, in, it happens in football. It happens, man. You see that? You know, like a it, guy, sorry, there was, a, um, there was a fan, just on what you're talking about, who ran onto the field and yeah. at the end of the game. He basically stole the field. And then one of the Tigres players 
escorted him back over to the section when he got put back in the stands and gave him his jersey as if it was a reward for good behavior. Well done for running on the field. Let's reward the right. behavior of that. Like, that's, that's just it, wrong. The, the players should say, no, What the, arrest that man. He should not be allowed to do that, even if the whistle is gone. It's illegal. So and it's I'm that gonna, kind of thing. Like, why are you encouraging that behavior? Right, and it's a cultural it's a cultural thing too because I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna develop further, but everyone that watches the sport and everyone that's listening right now knows what happened in Querétaro, and I'm gonna keep it like that. It was a huge deal of security breaches that happened in Querétaro. That to this point, that Querétaro does not exist. The team of Querétaro doesn't exist in Liga MX. Liga MX wash their hands like this. Oh, we're just eliminating the team. Nothing happened here, you know. And so it's a common thing to do it over there, but it's way different here. And um, you know, talking about that, you know, the whole thing with Pizarro, the whole thing with with the players. Um, I'm very surprised, and I'm gonna say this, Mikey Holiday, my hats off, my friend. I mean, what a what a performance against Tigres. Pretty much uh, one of the top teams in Mexico. And Mikey Holiday, under 20 guy. He's going to represent the United States of America right now. Probably in the best shape of his life. Played uh, 90 minutes nonstop. Per amazing performance. He even was like, he, he had no, no fear of these guys. These guys kept talking. The dude, dude just play ball, man. Like he was... Super confident, super like calm in this type of scenarios. And those are the type of players the U.S. men's national team needs. Because as we saw in the World Cup, they were, they were all nervous, especially in defense. Um, so uh, very proud of that. Um, you know, and we'll talk and develop more. Uh, what were your uh, stronger points that you would say, um, John, regarding uh, the performance of Orlando City? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... From a play perspective, that there was good and bad. You know, we I think the continuation of the attacking problems that we saw in the first half was concerning. I think, you know, the performance out of Ojeda, the performance out of Facundo Torres in this game, again, wasn't their best. I still see those issues with those guys trying to connect. And the reason Mike Alde had so much space, and I'm glad you brought him up, it was driving me insane. He had so much space on that right yeah. hand. He was up and down that wing. And we weren't passing him the ball because Torres and Ojeda are both cutting in on their left foot. So Ojeda's ending up on the left wing right next to Angulo. And Torres is ending up in the center attacking mid, you know, number 10 position. And no one's out on that right wing at all. And that's why Mikey has got acres of space and is begging for the ball. And no one's passing it to him. So it's stuff like that, like that attacking flow and our spatial awareness. I know we want to have... Ojeda and Torres able to move freely in those attacking roles, but it, I think it's gone too far. I think that I can't tell who's supposed to be where, and Ojeda's going deep to go get the ball, and Torres is never anywhere near his starting position. It just seems a little bit chaotic up front. Um, so that is a continuation of, and I just wanted to mention that as the bad. And on the good side, you know, Pedro, again, it's just the Pedro show Freaking right now. Amazing. I mean, Unbelievable. He's killing it. And he, he's, he looks almost unstoppable. And it shows what is needed to get past him, right? You know, against DC, it needed a really incredible shot from Chris Durkin. And then to 
this game, it needed, sadly, Luca Petrasso to make a mistake in order to get enough space where Pedro just couldn't react fast enough to get down. He almost did, even then. So, Pedro, incredible game. Mikey Halliday, great game. I think Mauricio had a much better game. I think, you know, Cesar had a much better game. I think Ramiro had a really good game. Angulo came close a couple of times. Both of those guys, uh, I mean, and then obviously the one we got to talk about is a much improvement from Urshan Kara. Uh, I maybe came on with something to prove. Did he have a chip on his shoulder? Maybe he heard what everybody was saying about him. Or maybe he was just, you know, upset that he wasn't getting the starts. But he came on and showed, you know, why he is a quality striker. The only thing I would say is that, you know, if you look at what he's doing, he's doing it in the box, and that is the kind of striker that he is, right? So, yes, he can score goals, but I still don't, unless he changes his attacking style, he's not really going to be the guy for this system. I still think there's an issue of we need someone who's going to chase down the defenders and run and be more mobile. Cara, is he that guy? He can score great goals, sure, but does he want to do that other work? Uh, and then finally, Dagger Dan. I just think he, again, had another great game. He came on, and that's when stuff really started to open up for us and when we really started to push Tigres in that last 10, 15 minutes. So all those guys, yeah, great need... games, and just just a solid performance all around. And, and, and don't feel bad, really. It's unlucky. No, I don't I, I don't feel bad. I think it was a fantastic performance by, by Orlando City. Um, I, I think, I look, it was our first CONCACAF Champions League performance against a top team in the continent. And I'm not going to say this. It's, it's a top team in the continent. And um, it's like if in Conmebol, uh, Orlando City would have gotten River Plate. Or no, no, no. Okay, let's say Racing, uh, which is, um, what's his name? Uh, Schlegel's old team, right? It's a historic, well-known, always top four. Top, you know, doesn't go below top four of a top-level league in, in the region. So uh, Orlando came and played uh, their game. I'm going to say uh, Facundo Torres. You, I, I believe Orlando needs to play either with Facu or with Martin. That's just my my, my, my opinion, my, my uh, expectation. And another thing is Javier Aquino ate up the, the right flank, and Ivan Angulo pretty much, he was non-existent. Only in attacking place, he was present. And then when it was to defend, uh, Aquino was... I think in a different level at that point, I think we should have seen the subs a little bit sooner. That's just my opinion. I would have entered a, a, a Gaston Gonzalez right away, uh, maybe minute 65. Um, I would have had already Dagger Dan. If I know Martin is not working for me, uh, I would have sub him out a little sooner. Um, and now, um, Urgent Car, I believe, um, I mean, first of all, Ramiro Enrique is doing his job. He's, he's, he's being paid to do a job, and the job is that when there's high press with such a dynamic team in front of you, he's not afraid to go, do the back-and-forth job of attack and defending. Uh, whether he sacrifices the attack, he rather defends and sacrifices the attack. But I think when Urgent Cara came in, that's the Urgent Cara I think everyone in Orlando wants to see, uh, a, a, a DP, and that's what a DP should be. Somebody that changes the, the the trajectory of the game, and he definitely did with a phenomenal bicycle kick, right? I mean, I wasn't expecting it. You know, pretty much, uh, you know, 
Urgent Car just turned his body and his left feet, you know, just connected and just did the bicycle kick and Noel Guzman couldn't do anything to to save it. It was a uh, it was a great goal. Uh, you know, I wish there. it would have meant a, it, he almost the second um, one that hit the it did hit the chest. I know people are trying to claim it hit his arm, but it's just the angle of the video they're seeing. It, it hits the guy's chest. But that was another yeah. bicycle kick right after the other one. He went for round two. Yeah. So that would have yeah. been amazing. Maybe that's a play that he's done back in Austria before, and uh, he's he's maybe known for that. And another thing was Dagger Dan coming in fresh. Uh, I, w- I wish I would have seen too. Uh, look, maybe Wilder and Cesar, and then Mauricio at the ten, and then Facundo and Ivan. I think that would have been for this game. Uh, now I want to give praise to Mikey Holiday and Luca Petrasso because despite the the, the error that maybe Luca had and maybe uh, a little bit Rodrigo too on that Tigres goal. Um, f- solid game uh, so far. I mean, I wasn't expecting this high level of performance from both backs. Um, so, I mean, Luca comes from being a sub in Toronto and uh, Mikey, obviously homegrown player. So uh, couldn't be any more proud. And, uh, you know, when it comes to Tigres, um, it would be hilarious if they get knocked out at a, uh, with Motawa. I, I think uh, that would be funny as hell. And I'm going to give right now, um, this, this, this is first and foremost, Pedro Galese, right? Um, you, you were saying it. Uh, and he is in the best 11 for the run of 16, despite the loss of Orlando City. CONCACAF had no other. Look, the recognition he doesn't get in the MLS, CONCACAF is giving him on a bigger platform. And uh, obviously, um, South American qualifiers, um, there's already a schedule for that. Pedro Galese is going to be playing, Peru is going to be playing uh, two friendly matches uh, next month against Germany and Morocco. Germany, they're going to be playing in Mainz, uh, Mainz, uh, Germany. And uh, they're going to be playing in uh, uh, Madrid in Spain. They're going to be playing in Madrid against Morocco. And obviously Pedro is probably going to be flying over there. Um, I don't know if Wilder will be called up, but all I know is that Pedro is definitely uh, being called up. And another former Orlando City player, it's on the best 11 for the CONCACAF, Andres Uh So congratulations for him as well. Um, phenomenal player too. Uh, but, you know, good to see him thriving. Um, no Tigres players on there, I noticed. No, no, no yeah. Tigres players. Yeah. You go yeah. through on a draw, I don't think you get in the team of the week. Exactly. No, 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 no. And uh, this is how it, it ends up uh, right here. Just look, you have Violet, obviously, which stunned the whole, whole, whole system, stunned the system, shocked the system completely. Violet, uh, Leon, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, which he, they play with their like B team against Real España, uh, LAFC, uh, Atlas, uh, Philadelphia Union, Tigres and Motagua. I'm going to go ahead and be completely like just I'm just going to say the person. I'm going to say the team that's going to win it all. I'm just going to say it. the winner of this CONCACAF Champions League is going to be LAFC. Correct, my friend. And they're going to be Tigers That's in the it. final, and we're going to laugh. Will, yep. And, and, and MLS is going to go again. 
uh, to a Club World Cup, right? And, and again, that's round two, Mexico, Liga MX. It's not a mistake now. First it was Sounders. Now it's going to be LAFC. And uh, you're going to be seeing that more. And Orlando may actually do it. You know, it, it, it's all on Orlando's hands. The MLS Cup, right? Or U.S. Open Cup again. So uh, we'll see. But definitely we're starting to see a new trend with MLS teams in this tournament. So I'm happy to see that. So Maybe uh, um, maybe Philly can get them in the semifinal too. So they got yeah, two other MLS was, teams they got to come up against who are like, arguably better teams than us with more yeah. firepower. Probably the two best teams in MLS right now, in my opinion, Philly and, yeah. and LA, and, at least based on last year. So hopefully one of them can knock out Tigres and get us some revenge because I, I feel I, it was unjust and I, I want some revenge. Luis, I think that's justified. They want some revenge. Don't no, you I, think, I, think, I think it's completely right. I think LAFC, and I want to give a, a shout-out to one of my friends as an LAFC supporter that's probably watching the show right now. You guys need to uh, avenge Orlando, right? I know that uh, we used to. Uh, you guys used to have Sebas Mendes, right, <laughs> before he went to Sao Paulo. So, um, you know, I think I, I think LAFC has everything to, to, win, to win this, and It'd be great to see another another MLS team uh, win win the Concacaf Champions League for sure. So, uh, anything else you want to add uh, regarding Tigres, uh, John? Anything else you have there? I just want uh, the referee, right? Uh, well, we talked about the refs at the beginning. Yeah. I said my I said my piece on him. We could talk all day about that. I just wanted to go back to um, your point about Enrique and just how close he came on two opportunities. One. And he both times he shot the ball directly at the keeper once off his foot, and the other time was a header. So I feel like he's getting so close to that first goal, and it's going to be interesting against Charlotte who gets that start because now that Carr has thrown his name back in the ring with that bicycle goal, you kind of got three guys who are you know looking like they could get the start against Charlotte. So it's a difficult one to call, but um, I really want to say that Enrique impressed me and he was so close. And I, I think we're about to see him really break onto the scene. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think Enrique is a phenomenal player. And now that in a way we're not in the CONCACAF Champions League any longer, I believe that he's definitely going to go off. And if Kara goes off, Enrique goes off, and then we have the Holland of the Harlan going off, man, I think that top three, top four, um, you know, position at the end of, you know, before going to playoffs, I think it's a poss quite a possibility uh, with Orlando. Orlando needs to be strong at home. So I think this Saturday we need to see an outstanding performance from, Ramiro Enrique, and um, we need to see the, the, you know, everyone there at the stadium uh, supporting Orlando City, and 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 that's how we win games. You know, when when other when other um, clubs within your own league see you as a tough turf to play, a tough stadium to go and, and play the sport, that's where you know you're already winning psychologically against against your rival. I don't know what are your thoughts regarding that, um, John. 
Yeah, I mean, we want to be one of the toughest places to come in North America, right? So I will say I was really happy with the attendance on Wednesday. I, I know those oh, are yeah. hard games for people to get out to. I know we've historically always struggled to get people out to midweek games. So thank you to everybody who came out and for shouting and screaming and supporting the boys. And, you know, sorry we couldn't get it done for you, but this is, this is the hardest test that we could have possibly got drawn um, very early in the season. So... I feel very proud of the performance and I think everybody should be proud of the club and the way that we played in our first time in the Champions League against, you know, the toughest team in North America. So congrats to everybody on the team. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to read some comments here. It says here, Banjo, worried we uh, worried Pedro might get injured soon with all the, all he's doing. All right. But do you really want to sub him out? <laughs> You know what I mean? Goalies don't get injured. We're fine. Right. I I mean, when when I think it was against Cincinnati when he landed on his wrist and then he was like checking his wrist. Like I I got afraid uh, regarding that. But you know, I think Pedro has two other goalkeepers, two great goalkeepers. Team Mason did pretty well too um, as as a number two, and and you have uh, Adam Greenwood, right? A fan favorite. A fan favorite. Pedro can win you games just being right. Pedro. So, you know, if we lose him off the field, we, we lose that little bit of extra defensive clout, you know, is the word I would use. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, you know, how, what do you think about Tincho Ojeda's performance, uh, Ojeda? You know, again, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier, uh, you know, um, <laughs> that he, he, he can connect with, with Facundo, it seems like. Uh, he seems – I think what we need to do is is instill a little bit of structure for Facundo and Ojeda. I think we, we've let them be a little bit too loose. And I see Ojeda coming very deep to get that ball. Like he's almost next to Mauricio a lot of times, if you notice. And it's like I want, I want you further up the field playing that, like, those one-two touches in and around the box if you're going to be playing the number 10 role. So I think for him – it's the positioning. I think it's also his desire to do too much. I think he's going for like these extreme shots or like these incredible passes. And like, I just want to see him do the simple things, you know, make the pass, make the run, make the simple cross, like just build your confidence that way. You don't need to hit a 25 yard screamer, right? You can just play a natural, more suited game to what we have with the players that we have around him, right? So one-twos with Mauricio, one-twos with Facundo. These are the things I want to see in and around the box. We see a little bit more of that, but I just feel like Ojeda, something is not right, and I don't know what it is, and I'm hoping that Papi does because something needs to be done to get him more in the game because he is not influencing the game nearly as much as a player of that caliber should be. And that's concerning. Yeah, 75 minutes for Martin Ojeda, uh, zero goals, zero assists, 48 touches, uh, one out of four dribbles completed. Uh, you're talking about uh, lost possession like two or three times. Yeah, uh, I noticed that. Yeah, he had about two interceptions uh, when, he, when he did defend. Uh, and then you also had uh, uh, Facundo Torres, right? 90 minutes, um, two shots on goal, um, you know, three out of five dribbles completed. Um, and he he lost possession twice. 
twice in the, um, in the game as well. So that's so like, that's four that's four possessions lost, and that's four counterattacks for Tigres. They're if you both think about in each other's way. way, and they're both losing the ball. It's it's almost like bringing in Ojeda has made Torres less effective, and then Ojeda isn't effective also. So now we have two DPs on the field who are not doing anything, and that's a problem. So we need to figure out what it is to, to make these guys, what positions they need to be in. Maybe it's just they need the more time together on the field because they've been rotated so much. I don't know, but... I just, I just think we can't, we can't you know, keep going on with what's been happening the last few games. It just doesn't work. Right, because, and, and I'm going to say this: Angulo also lost the ball three times on his wing. So you're losing the ball. Your three mid attacking midfielders right up top uh, in your system are losing the ball. So that causes, and again, Orlando had Orlando show a lot of defensive prowess. That's why we should feel very proud of Orlando. Because against a team of this caliber with those type of players, these players are double the salary of most of the players that we have in our roster, by the way. So um, they delivered and they stay compact out back and they defended very well. But they shouldn't have gotten the ball. So they should have turned over the ball. Like it's two plus two is four plus three. So seven times they lost the ball, our mids, throughout the game. Those are seven chances for Tigres. And most of that That's was in the first half. Like that was exactly. where Tigres was just getting chance after chance, and Pedro was bailing us out. And most of the time, we were causing our own problems in that first half with those giveaways. You know, just and again, what you're talking about, Torres and Ojeda, I think both of them were for me. It's like you're trying to do too much. Like they they're not making the simple passes because they're going for like the perfect through ball, or they're going for that like killer pass every time. And I just I just want to be like, just calm down. Start the play, make some one-twos, do some triangles, and then we'll find a way to get one of the fullbacks or somebody overlapping. And, and the chances we did have, that's how they came, right? You got the chance for Petrasso because it across. You got the chance for Mikey Holiday gets it across. All of that started with little triangles from our wingers in the attacking midfield positions and then develops into bringing in the wingbacks. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. I don't want to see – Martin Ojeda taking another 25-yard rip that goes over the bar, right? We, we don't need Carlos Rivas. <laughs> we need someone who can be smart enough as to know when to do that, but also when to just make the simple ball. That's right. And um, I'm going to go and and to end the Tigres talk, you know, because, you know, Oscar Perez has said, you know, we should feel proud of this team, which we, we do. And the effort that they did, but he he quoted, you know, again, uh, we're gonna talk about the officiating here now, and then after that we'll talk about the picture that we're seeing on and on the on the on the on the show right now. If, if you if you if you are not watching and you're listening, uh, the picture that I'm putting on there, it's of a smoke bomb. Yes, a smoke bomb, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. So he says. Um, you know, we play against a good rival. We were there. Uh, we were upset as well. I know the players were upset with what happened in the last seven minutes. Obviously, we're not bad losers. We are respectful, but we're not stupid. Congratulations to Tigres. It's a club that I respect a lot, but we played very hard against them. Uh, we're respectful, but we're not stupid. Pretty much, um, I feel like the referee did not just, he just didn't want to play the game anymore. He just, he just you know what? 
Samir, you, you brought a really cool fact that I wasn't taking in consideration. So I know if you want to talk about it. Samir took so long to get out of the field, and which is a center back for Tigres. And then, you know, nobody, nobody had a time. I mean, and Pareja said it in the press conference. Out of five minutes they added, four were unplayed. And yeah, go ahead, John. Goal, there was a goal, a red card, and a yellow card, all within that five minutes, and like two fouls. And what you're supposed to do is the ref, when you're in that stoppage time, is you have a stopwatch at that point, right? All the other rest of the game, you're adding on the time, which is then the added time. In the added time, what you do is you stop the game every time something happens that stops the game, i.e. a yellow card, a goal, a red card, and you don't start that watch again until the actual play. And if you notice on the sideline, and we've talked about this before, that Pappy has his stopwatch, that's how Pappy knows exactly how much time is played out of that five minutes, which is actual exactly. open play, 45 seconds. So what you're supposed to do and what he's talking about, they did in the World Cup, is add on that time. So you end up with really eight or nine minutes of extra time, in which case we could have got another goal. And you called it exactly. I saw it. The ref, the ref just went like, Matt, I'm not doing this anymore. No, I'm not I'm doing not it. I'm just going to call it. And that's why Oscar ran at him and everybody was pissed because he didn't play the whole of that time. And that, that one really got me, I got to say. It was, that was the worst thing he did all night. You know, I can, I yeah. can give you being bad at making calls and falling for them diving because a lot of refs fall for that. But not – probably giving us the amount of time we should have at the end of the game is, is unforgivable. Yeah, and the amount of trash talk that they were getting, too. I mean, look look at this picture right here. Like, poor Gaston. And, I mean, Gaston is used to I mean, I, I'm going to say Tigres is a small club compared to where he played in Santa Fe. I'm just going to say it. It's a different level. If Tigres right now goes play against any Argentinian team, they will lose. Uh, and and you know they're acting like they're like Real Madrid, right? And so then you have that uh, Samir, right? Which is the guy who got the red card, you know, trash talking. Uh, obviously uh, Rodrigo Schlegel right there, right? Um, and you know Rafael Santos, who actually played very well. I, I like the way he he came in and changed the game too with Lainez. I think Pareja did a, a great thing taking Petrasso out when Lainez came in. And when, you know, the Brazilian took over and he just, Lainez was non-existent after that. But, you know, uh, Kara trying to, you know, do his thing. And then I wanted to get the picture of Pareja. That's Pedro going on the corner kick. And there you go. This is the picture right here, right? So, um, disgraceful. They should have added the time. And, uh, you know, yes, I know I'm exaggerating. He should not ever officiate ever in his life. But, I mean, you cannot run a World Cup. And I'm going to say it one more time. You cannot. I cannot defend this league so much in other parts of the, of the world, like in South America, for example, where they downplay the MLS. I'm going to say it blatantly. They downplay the MLS in South America. For them, the MLS is a freaking joke. Right, and then this stuff happens, and it just makes you look like you're a fool. It just makes you look like you're a complete fool, because I mean, and you're gonna do a World Cup where you have officiating like this, 
when we cannot even trust somebody from Honduras to officiate a game? I mean, I want to say Honduras has a professional level soccer, right? Motawa's there, you know, a, a lot of good teams are there. You know, they got to have more competent people like in, in Honduras. I, I want to believe that they do. I just think it's a shame, you know, the same problems we have with the MLS refs, like this was, if not the same, maybe even worse. Uh, I was expecting more from the Champions League, like you said. So, But we could talk about Tigres all day long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to move on to our next well, let's, yeah, Yeah, the next subject will be this right here, right? And uh, the smoke bomb that broke the world. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and read the real quick. Pretty much... Uh, they, uh, the wall, the Iron Line firm and the Ruckus wrote a whole three-paragraph, um, you know, statement, um, no indentation, uh, just wrote it, um, regarding, you know, how they've allowed, they, I guess there was a security breach um, with a smoke bomb and Tigres' players, and I saw the smoke bomb as well myself from the press box. They light it up and, you know, and then they were not allowed to do a smoke, have smoke bombs in several times, which I'm aware that that's correct. Um, and, you know, they're just upset, you know, regarding that, you know, they're frustrated um, watching, you know, they were frustrated watching the opposition uh, light off smoke bombs and throw them um, on the pitch. And uh, obviously they feel like they're making, you know, the club is making them feel like criminals for displaying their passion, right? Um, what are your thoughts, uh, real quick, uh, John, regarding that? I think they make a valid point about the, uh, right. the smoke bombs. I, I was upset and I was appalled yeah, at that behavior here. from the Tigres fans. I, I, think, I think it's something that they expect in, in Mexico, but it's something that we just, you know, smoke in the crowd is one thing. But when you're throwing smoke bombs on the field that could hit players or other fans or exactly. shit, there's, there's like little like kids that a bowl boy work down there, you know, like that's, yeah. it's just, it's a health and safety risk. And yeah, I, I totally be, agree with the, the ruckus and ILF on this one. I, you know, I think it's their rights. I think it was a, a mistake by the club in terms of the security was not well enough handled for the Tigres fans. Um, and I, I think they have some points here. Um, I, I'm not 100% understanding what they mean about being used as a marketing tool. I think that the club is just wants to celebrate them as part of the club. And I, I think it's sad that they feel that you know, they're being used like that. Uh, I don't think that the club intends them to feel that way. Uh, but I do think they have a point about the security. And I hope the club makes a, a greater effort in the future to to deal with uh, to with fans they're like Tigres fans um, that are going to do stuff like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think uh, they have a valid point when it comes to smoke bombs. And, uh, I mean, the expectation needs to be set, I think, in my opinion. Uh, and it, it probably wasn't. And uh, now I do want to say, though, because I was there, yeah, I was there, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk on Twitter but, you know, <laughs> there's not so much of people that were actually there uh, that CONCACAF was running the show, too. So, I mean, and I, I, again, I'm not trying to say, I mean, there were two officials for CONCACAF right there. One of them was at the press conference and, and I'm, I, I met one of them, 
and another one was on the pitch. There were conference uh, Concacafs now. From my understanding, is the Concacaf also um, is in charge with some of the, you know, it's not a, your regular Orlando City match. No, there's Concacaf it's, regulations that will right. be in place that are different from MLS regulations. Like the exactly. league has some say over how their games are run. It's not all on the club. It's a it's a collaboration. Exactly. So, so I just think that you know that definitely could have been avoided. Um, I, I, that could have been avoided, and they need to get better. But I also want to, in a way, just like you said, you know, just think back, you know, five years ago. Right, we have a different type of ownership, right? And I think now this ownership, uh, it's doing everything they can to improve fan experience, uh, and and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Um, as I walk on the building, everyone from the person who's the security person says hello to me until when I go and take my stuff and then they search me and then they make sure I don't have anything on me, right? I go through that as well and I'm not embarrassed. I do it every time. I've been doing it for the past two freaking years. I have no problem doing it. Uh, and I'll go and I do it, and uh, I follow. I just follow the directions, right? And it comes to that. Now, um, they 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 got the cholo dogs, you know. They got the teak. They got teak. <laughs> you know, they got they got everything that you know. So I think this could have definitely been avoided. They make a valid point, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And I have a I have a I have full faith that the club is going to amend this. Uh, so I, I don't expect yeah. that to happen again. I think it was a yeah. one-off where they were just yeah. perhaps a little bit underprepared, a little bit naive, and didn't quite get it right. And I think that's what the, the supporting groups are saying is that they warned them and they're frustrated that they didn't heed their advice. But like you said, this is this is the first mistake this new ownership is, group, group has made. So let's not jump you know, down their throats over one thing. I feel like they are making a lot of effort to improve the situation between the the club and the supporters and they're doing a lot of things to add value for season ticket members this year so let, let's not focus on one bad thing that happened and let's you know get behind the boys and let's support and let's yeah. move forward as a community with this new ownership in a, in a positive way and uh I really i just want everybody to to be happy and try and figure out a way where we can make sure that all the stakeholders in the club are being heard and that everybody wants, you know, is getting the experience out of match day that they desire. So I'm glad the clubs, I mean, the supporter groups have expressed their opinion and hopefully exactly. the club will, uh, will do something in the future to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, definitely. I uh, wholeheartedly agree. And um, again, um, we're going to be talking uh, about what's happening and how important support, you know, us being a, a venue that you know players look forward playing in and also a venue which it fears it puts some fear in your opponents right uh like when you go to maybe you know um seattle or portland right uh you know i, I you know those are massive venues for the for mls um it's important for you guys to be there saturday um against charlotte right we're gonna play Charlotte, uh, which the last time we played Charlotte, uh, we won with a phenomenal puppy special. I think everybody says golazo from 
Tesho Akindele, right? Always, you know, I want to give a shout out to Tesho, a uh, great, great guy, great human being. Tesho Akindele scored on a 2 1 win for Orlando City, John. What are your expectations yeah. out of this match? That was both results last year, August and April. We played them 2 1 at home and 2 1 away at their place. So, Odds are it's a two-one. They have not started well at all this year. They're bottom of the East. They lost to the Revolution on the opening day. Then they lost to Louisville City. You know, not that anybody else is called City in the league. Just sidebar. And then they lost to Atlanta. So they're not having a good start at all. And I'm really hoping that this is a team that we can get some goals against. I'm going to say this now: if we don't score at least two goals against Charlotte. I'm going to be upset, really. I, I think, like, this is the game. The attacks got to come together. We've got to score. I want to blow out. Like, I want to really get some attacking form going and get goals in the back of the net. And this is the team to do it against. This is the home game against the worst team in the league. This is your best opportunity in MLS to get a big blowout at home. We cannot let that go, and we need one. We need one badly, I think. No, I agree. Um, I mean, we need to win every game at home. Every home game, we need to win uh, in order we want to. Definitely, uh, definitely. If, if our aspirations are the MLS Cup, these type these types of games against Charlotte, we need to win. Now they have a phenomenal striker that is yet cold, but is a phenomenal striker, well respected. I think any other team in the region, including I'm talking about. South, Central, and North America would like to have him, and that's Enzo Copetti. Um, and um, that's an it factor for, for Charlotte. But Google gives a win in probability, uh, 47%, to Orlando City, believe it or not, first time. Yay. And uh, a 26% margin of winning uh, to Charlotte, right? And uh, I, I do agree with you that... Orlando needs to definitely win this game. Um, we, that, this is a game that we need to see all, all systems go, right? Uh, we need to see uh, Facundo scoring a, a goal. We need to see Etin Chojeda scoring a goal there. I mean, men by men, by men we are, men by, uh, you know, person by, player by player, we are a better team than, than, uh, than Charlotte, bar none. I expect um, definitely at least uh, two goals, so a 2-0 win. It'll be great. Now, Orlando, it's uh, right now um, pretty much uh, unbeaten, right? Uh, they are um, – no, they haven't conceded a, a goal in league play yet in front of a, of, a, of a home crowd. So we're unbeaten at home right now. So we have a one sh one shout out victory in, in it's in our season opener, and uh, obviously we we did a scoreless uh, draw against uh, FC Cincinnati. Then here we go with Tigres, and then now uh, here comes uh, Charlotte. I, I do believe that it's possible that definitely we can we can definitely win this game uh, by a margin of two goals. Um, we have the players, we have everything. And we also have the supporters, right? So um, we have the availability report for Charlotte. Um, right now, uh, 
Guzman Corujo uh, is not going to be playing. And also they're going to be playing with a backup goalkeeper because Kalina is actually playing um, with back surgery right now. So Kalina is with back surgery. So uh, who's going to step in uh, is this gentleman right here, uh, Luis Barraza, right? Luis Barraza, which uh, was a first uh, round pick in the 2019 MLS Super Draft uh, from Marquette. Uh, 6'2", 26 years old, right? And, uh, you know, you know he's going to be the one uh, in charge of uh, being the goalkeeper for Charlotte. Now, he's the keeper that we have to, have to score, <laughs> score the goals too. So so I think that uh, that's good for us that Kalina's not playing because Kalina is a very good keeper. Right, John? What are your thoughts regarding that? Yeah, I mean... When you're playing the you know most offensively weak team in the league, and then they lose their goalkeeper, that's only good, right? We got, that just ups our chances. Also, I think you know Capetti, as you mentioned, is hotly tipped, but hasn't really got going. Very similar to Ojeda, right? Like he was a big signing, everyone was impressed by, but hasn't really done much yet. So hopefully he doesn't turn it on against us, right? Hopefully he just <laughs> stays quiet still. Um, but outside of him. I'm not seeing a huge amount of threat in this team. You know, they, they've got some attacking talent, some creative players, a couple of decent defensive midfielders, but nothing that we can't have. Way, way easier than Tigres, right? So if we play half as well as we battle out against Tigres, we should get the win. But I don't, I don't want to pack a special. I think the fans will be angered if we go one up and he sits back against this team. I think this is a team that we have to put our foot on their throat and don't stop if you know what I mean. Like we just got to attack them for 90 minutes all out and get like three or four goals, just be relentless. And um, I really want to see, I want to see us open up a lot more than we have against other teams. I think the season so far has been rough because we've had to play defensively a lot of the time. And I think we've been training a lot of defense because we were playing Tigres. And now I think it's, we're able to be a little bit more free and express ourselves a little bit more and go and be a little bit less tentative, right? Be a bit more aggressive. Um, so if we can't do that this game, I'm going to start to develop real concerns about the flow of our attack. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say this. There's a huge opportunity for Orlando to capitalize uh, attacking-wise on this team, and I'm going to mention it right now. Tulioma and Bronico, they're very physical players. Uh, Tuiloma, I know for a fact because we faced him with, uh, well, I think Peru faced Australia. He so. was in Portland, right? Isn't he the um, yeah, New Zealand? Yeah, former center Portland back, center. Right? Yep, yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, from the Timbers. They signed so, him in the offseason. Yeah, so he's he's like a rugby player, dude. So the dude's like like massive, and uh, the dude is like very sloppy when it comes to, you know, if, you, if you're fast and you beat them down the, down the punch, he's going to definitely go physical on you, and that could create a set piece. That could create a penalty kick. That could create a red card. And those are the chances we need to take with Tuiloma. Um, now, Orlando's been horrible in set pieces. 
So I think that's something that we need to we need to improve. I don't know. Uh, uh, I say put Dagger down on him. You see how close he was with that, that free kick? Yeah. Like, I think he's looking better on the dead ball than Ojeda and Torres right now. I, I wasn't too impressed by Torres' uh, corners and free kicks against Tigres. I don't, I don't feel like he's putting the ball in aggressive areas that's giving us a chance to make the most of those. So maybe this is a game where you give someone else a chance at those set pieces. Now, um, in, when it comes to uh, this team right here, uh, Jones and Westwood, um, they are their midf midfielders. And the way they play is that when Orlando City has the ball in this system, they go into a 4-3-3 mode with Shinjashiki. I think that I think I said it correctly. Shinjashiki. Yeah. He becomes like the extra defensive midfielder there. And then Copetti stays kind of like what Ramiro Enrique was doing too. So kind of more of like a, a nine that attacks and defends, right? Uh, now, uh, Charlotte likes to attack through the wings, uh, especially through Joswiak and Swiderski to feed Copetti, right? But again, Orlando has a way more deeper team than than, than Charlotte. So... I think, uh, and they've demonstrated um, so, uh, be defensively solid, even without Antonio Carlos. Like, look at our back line. Like, Mikey Holiday, Luca Petrasso, Robin Jensen, Rodrigo Schlegel, right? So, um, I think uh, Orlando has a huge chance to probably repeat the back four here uh, against Charlotte. Uh, you want to do our, our, our lineup? Well, we, we definitely do our lineup, right? Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. I Let's do let's do let's do our lineup um, and then uh, we'll read some comments before before we start on this. How now that we're out of the Concacaf, right? And we have, I believe, we have a whole week off after this game, so we should be playing for the following Saturday. Do you does do you think do you risk putting the first team out again? Do you think, or are you are you feeling more like we need to rotate one last time? What is your? You know, what do you think? I and mean, what do you think? Oh, so Pappy's gonna do too, right? Two different questions. Well, well, well. Personally, I think uh, he needs to go all in. I mean, this is uh, Orlando City. Orlando City needs to win every game at home, and Orlando City needs to get used to if they want to do that. Orlando City needs to get used to capitalizing in the first half, because after that, um, Orlando City has two tough games um, that are coming up. You're playing against Philadelphia and Philly. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend uh, Tess. She's a photographer there. Uh, Philly, and then they played Nashville. So Nashville at home. So I mean, though I mean I think or Pareja needs to get used to, and and the and the players need to get used to um, first first team squad playing, right, and then subbing the subs coming in and just kind of you know either holding out or in attempting to score sometimes the subs come with more rhythm I, I think we need to get used to that now um uh, after after nashville we go into minnesota minnesota and dc united and those games um minnesota is uh, away and then dc united in april is at home we could play with subs with against those teams i mean I mean, you want to do a mix at that point. That's just my opinion. Yeah, but I, think I think it's. 
I just worry about risk of injury. That was all. That was my main thing. Like, I 100% agree. I want to start everybody um, just because – but he has rotated them to this point. So, I think we're going to be fine to be able to play our first team. And I, I really hope that's what we do. Um, we need we need to give Ojeda and Torres the time against a team like Charlotte to, you know, hopefully come alive. So, let's give that yeah, like 60 minutes or so and see if we can get them going. Hopefully – Happy has figured out how to make it work or he's got some kind of plan because uh, I'm not convinced with what we're doing is working at the moment. Uh, yeah, I just was interested because that is a tough run coming up with, with Philly and Nashville. Um, you know, not that it hasn't been tough so far. I think I, that's why the Charlotte game is so important. This is the, this is the easy one in a group of tough fixtures. Yeah. As of, as of now, uh, I, I will say, there's uh, nobody injured for Orlando, so we probably will see AC in the lineup. I mean, you, you know, I, I think it'll be good to see Antonio Carlos. If you're talking about, you know, trying to get someone used to two tough opponents coming up, which is Philly and Nashville, um, I would say start Antonio Carlos now so he can, you know, kind of get some some legs going and he can feel the pressure and, and, and you know, start making development into you know coming back into the starting lineup right so yeah, i will start i don't know what do you think Galese, of course uh, Galese, for sure the pulpo. Uh, uh, and then you're talking about uh yeah i think ac uh, and jansen I, I really hope this is the one yeah. we see him back for i think uh he's been close for a while now so unless unless he's not close and they're still worried i think I'm not sure what would stop them from putting him in this game. I, you were right about Tigres, and that was a hopeful one. I think they were worried that he'd just get injured against Tigres because they're so aggressive, you know. So this is the game to bring it back and to get get that full, you know, 60 minutes under his belt before Schlegel comes in. And then I would also right. keep Petrasso in there. I think that, you know, despite the accident. Holiday and Petrasso. Yeah, I think you know. Oh yeah, Petrosha's been solid. Petrosha's he been made solid. one mistake. He has. That's really the the only yeah, major yeah. mistake he's made so far this season. So for a guy who's, like you said, was you know in the reserves for Toronto, he's really impressed. So definitely keep him in. I'll keep a Rujo in there, uh, and then I I think what I would like to see is actually us play the four three three. This is me personally. I think the way you correct the Torres Ojeda issue we have is you take away the camp position entirely and you keep make these guys spread out more and you say Ojeda go play right wing and Torres go play left wing and let's not have anybody in that camp position and just give them a bit more space in that attacking midfield. I just feel like they're running into each other and getting each other's way so maybe that's the way to eliminate that that's what I would like to see I don't think it's what Pappy will do, um, but that is, is how I think you solve the problem of Ojeda and Torres not playing well together. What do you think about what, Um I mean, you can put them on the wings, like you said, you know. Just just to get uh, them a bit further apart, so they're just not right. And, and into I think the same it'd be I mean, all the time, right? I mean, against a team like Charlotte, you could experiment that, and you're not you you do not go far from the original lineup. 
there's you know what I mean? another reason why I would want to do that. You could probably guess who I would then throw into the deeper role in midfield next to Pereira. So you kind of play right. a, a, a triangle with Ojeda and Pereira and uh, Dagger Dan next to each other. Yeah, like that. And let, let Pereira and Dagadan take turns at doing that attacking role and both of them also defending and doing that box-to-box role. Like almost, you know, two sixes and an eight is uh, how the Americans... So, so you would put Ojeda, Facundo... Yeah, and, uh, or maybe the other way around, because I actually think Faku is better on the right and Ojeda on the left, but... At this point, yeah, I mean, whatever Fak- gets whatever gets them. Yeah, yeah I mean, Faku, Faku's on the right, yeah. Ojeda will be on the left. Yeah, and then, and, uh, yeah, put- and then Dagger Dan in there, and I'd put Mauricio in there. Yeah. I mean, this is... Then it's a six, you put Araujo? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So yeah. you're playing... And then right here, that's... eliminate... Ooh. Ooh, yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, yeah, you lim- yeah, you eliminate the ten. Uh, I, yeah, and, and basically yeah, make I that mean, space available for both Ojeda and Torres to use. And now listen to this that I'm about to tell you because I think this is a great system that you just mentioned. Because look, uh, and we've seen this. Uh, I've seen it also in practice for for the boys. I think, look, um, and again, we have the lineup right here. If you're listening to us. Ojeda is right now on the left wing. And then the, your three midfielders are Araujo as a six. Dan, Dagernan is an eight. Then Pereira is another, um, uh, another midfielder, uh, more offensive midfielder. Um, is a four, three, three, right? Uh, Facundo is on the right wing. Uh, and so what they, what they can do is this. You know, when it comes to Dan and Ojeda, I mean – here you go. I mean, they could switch roles back and forth if that's what they want. I mean, if, if Ojeda wants to cut through, Ojeda cuts through, and then Dan stays back defending. Yeah, and we've exactly. seen that he can defend, right? And then that gives Araujo more freedom, you know? Uh, so they can do that. Um, and I think he's a, an eight that can play a, a, a wing role also, which I think it's fantastic. And Pereira I, can. I'd and, rather, sorry, I'd rather have Dagger Dan on the field at the moment than like Angulo or Gonzalez, like that other winger. I think that this would get our best players at the moment on the field at once. Because you really, yeah. for me, even though we have an abundance of wingers, Angulo is playing well at times, but do we lose a lot by not having him on the field? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe defense. Maybe his hard work will be missed. But I really feel like I'd love to see a way to get Dagger down in the starting lineup. I think he deserves a shot in the starting lineup. And I don't know how easily he's going to get that if we've just got uh, Pereira and Arujo and he's fighting that position with Arujo. But if you do this, it opens up another spot. And, you know, that's perfect for him, like you said, to switch with Ojeda because he's he's like a winger and a midfielder. Like he can do it. Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah, I mean, he wants in that midfield role, attacking, defending, you know, like. So let him play that free-flowing eight role that just goes forward and runs with the ball. And Mauricio can still sit behind him and ping balls around. And then you still got the you know, solidity of having Arujo in the six as well. So maybe this is the solution. This is what I would like to see. I don't think it's what Pappy's going to do. But um, I think it could solve our problems. 
Definitely. And now the, the last piece of the puzzle is your nine, right? Now, uh, we have three. I mean, Ramiro hasn't scored yet in, in MLS, right? Uh, he hasn't scored yet. But we do have Duncan Maguire scoring. And we have had also uh, Arjun Kara just doing a bicycle kick. Now, who do you play in this game? No. It's, a, it's a real Kara has caused a problem for he's caused a headache for for Oscar here because before the Tigers game, I would have said it would still be Enrique again today. And obviously Enrique had a very good game and, and got really close to scoring himself. And then Kara comes on and makes a real shout for why he should be back in that, you know, starting first eleven role. I think we're gonna see Kara. And the reason for that being that Papi wants to reward him for getting that goal and for, I think he brought a lot of enthusiasm and a, a, a different light, right? He looked like a different player in that 10 minutes than what we'd seen so far this season. I think Papi will reward that and give him another shot in the starting 11. That concerns me because I still think he's got the issues where he's not going to be the type of forward we need there, where he's not running, he's not mobile enough. Um, but whether that means Enrique is going to get the shout, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, personally, I would love to see for this Charlotte game, um, it would be great to see Urjan uh, Kara uh, to start. Uh, but... Uh, something's telling me that uh, I think Oscar maybe wanted to start um, uh, Duncan McGuire. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, because because I just feel like uh, like it, it ended up. I mean, so uh, in in a lot of the apps that I have, uh, like three, you know, three six five scores and and also sofa score and and one football. Um, he's he's his position is left midfielder, left midfielder, which is I I find it unreal. But we've seen that sometimes you know we could see him too as if we have uh, Duncan McGuire right here. Uh, with Duncan McGuire, um, he could definitely do the attack and defend too, like Ramiro. But one thing about Duncan is that he finishes the ball, I think, a little better. We've seen him finishing the ball better. I mean, this is the reason why he scores so many goals in college. He, he, he's a, more of a finisher, right? But he also does that defending role. We could end up seeing this <laughs> with Duncan McGuire, you know, which we've seen Ojeda as a 9 too. Like at some point, like uh, you, for, you see what I'm saying. For the people right. who are just listening, tell the, tell everybody what you just did because that was a that's a funny move. But I yeah, like so so essentially, what we did was Duncan was at nine, uh, Ojeda was at your left wing, and then you have Dagger Dan as your eight as your uh, left midfield, um, you know, player. Um, left midfielder, and then what I did is I just switched Ojeda for Duncan Maguire, and Duncan ended up being your left midfielder, and then Dagger Dan became your left wing. And we could see that in transition. I mean, that's the versatility of those players 
Now, you cannot do that with Arjankara. Arjankara is a straight nine. Straight nine. Now, you can maybe see Ramiro Enrique playing with two number nines and Ramiro being more of like a uh, like a 10-ish, you know, second second striker, right? But I don't see Ramiro as a midfielder. Now, Duncan, on the other hand, he's kind of in a way like a Tesho, but with more firepower. Like, he, he will be able to definitely play that role more. And because he's so young and he's so new to the team and the league, I think he wants to soak up as much info, info as possible. And so far, he's been doing fantastic. And then Ojeda, we've seen him play at the striker role, even in his former club. So um, and he scored goals there. So we may see that. I mean, I, I see that this game against Charlotte is probably an opportunity for Duncan to start again. You know, and and then have, you know, this lineup, right, which is uh, Galese, Holiday, Antonio Carlos, Jensen, Petrasso. Then you have Araujo as your six, Ojeda as your left midfield uh, player, and then you have Pereira as your right. Then Dagordan as your left wing. Then you have um, Duncan Maguire as your nine, and then Facundo Torres as your right wing. I don't know. What what, what do you think about what I just said, uh, um, John, regarding Duncan? It would be great I to see him. Right. I think that's the beauty of a lot of these players that we have is they are interchangeable. And I don't think we've figured out exactly what their best positions are yet. And it, it could be an argument to say Ramiro Enrique's best position is on the wing. Like, so maybe we look at a starting lineup that has both Duncan McGuire and Ramiro Enrique on for this weekend. And yeah. one of them's and playing Dagger, on the wing. And, and maybe may Dagger Dan playing as a, I think. Dan, the- is like the 10 maybe like you never know like there's so many yeah. options that poppy could throw out there for this game i think he will play a lot of the, the first team starters i think he wants to get those guys minutes and he wants to get them a chance against a team that could be defensively weak uh, i think Kara would have an argument to say that he is you know unjustified if he doesn't make it back in the starting 11 i think because he is the dp when he scores again you know, in his mind, he's like, okay, now they're going to put me back in, right? So it'd be interesting to see if he get in the starting lineup, what his reaction is if he comes on the bench. Like, I think it was at you or someone was mentioning to me that when Duncan McGuire got called up in the Tigres game, he was sitting on the bench looking really upset and frustrated. And then I think we saw that reaction from Carr when he came on and he was like, you know, on it and he was – trying to create problems and get goals and really looked, you know, like he'd stepped up. Sharper. Way sharper. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. And hopefully he continues that. Will he continue that? You know, if he gets brought off the bench again, like, is he going to drop his head and be frustrated? It's difficult to say. I think this is where you need your manager to understand the psyche of his players. Right. Hopefully Papi knows how to get the best out of Cara maybe he's a guy who needed to be dropped in order for him to wake up, you know? And so maybe he's going to keep dropping him until he thinks that he's done enough to justify being put in the starting level again. It's difficult. Yeah, man. I think that's like last game where we were debating, you know, Angulo Gonzalez against Tigres. This one is which of the three strikers do you play in this match? That's, it's a tough call. 
um, any any one of them I could see in that in that starting lineup. Yeah, and we're seeing right now here Urgen being part of the look. That's a lineup with Urgen as a nine, right there. So that's probably an indication. You see, and it's Urgen and Ramiro up top. So imagine that. Then you see there Dagger Dan right there against you know they're playing like they're playing um, the game with you see different strikers right uh, you see Ojeda you see Cartagena Angulo Araujo look at that Des Ramiro and Urgent there you go so it's looking good you know, we may I mean, see we may, we may see. We may see two strikers. We may see I, I two. I mean, two I think there's an argument to say, like a four-four-two, uh, or I would go like, let's play how Cincy play, right? Like, let's do, let's do something where you've got, you know, the five, and that way you can put, you know, Angulo on as a right wing back to come on for Mikey, and you can play, you know, maybe you could play Santos as a more attacking left wing back. Like, I think if you're going to play two strikers, the, the five or three at the back system gives you more options to do that. Um, but I, like, I can't see us going like a 4-4-2, four, four, right? So I think if there's two strikers, that's the only way Papi would do it. But I would love to see that. I think a big man, little man combination with Kara and Enrique or Kara and, you know, McGuire, like, that would be awesome. That's right, and then we have some words from Dagger Dan. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and play him right now. Thank you to Orlando City Communications for the footage. It's been going better than I thought. Maybe I would say. Uh, Fitting very well into the team and into the system, which has been very nice. And I feel like uh, the coaches and, and everybody here have a, at least believe in me, so that's very good and good feeling. You played a, a various amount of positions so far uh, just being here. Is there like a position that you feel is most comfortable in this system, or is it just kind of wherever the coach needs you, where they can put you? Uh, I've had this question, I think probably like 50,000 times for the last couple of years. I've been playing, like last season I played 10 positions. I only had, no, nine. I had only had goalkeeper and defender, like central defender. So <laughs> There you go. Actually, ah, I, man. I am an eight box-to-box player, want to score and defend. Uh, but There you go, guys. If tells me to play in goal, I can play goal. So just uh, anywhere where the team We got another Schlegel, everybody. We got another Schlegel. Go. Papi can do it. <laughs> See, this is why I love I love Dagger Down. That is, you know, there's not many players who get excited uh, by the idea that they can play anywhere on play the field. Like a lot of, a lot of them just want to play there. And we play the ball on the ground, which it's exactly like they play here. So I don't want to keep it played short, which is my football. Like I want to keep it short and played. Uh, so it was. It was. I didn't 100% know how the system was here, but as soon as I like we started playing, I was like, "Wow, this is football that I want to play," which is which was great and a good feeling. There you go. So, Dagger Dan for president. Love it. Dagger Dan for my president. My favorite player so far this year. Uh, well, apart from Mikey Holiday, both of those guys, and and Dr. Bakar. I love the underdogs. You notice this about me? 
I'm always, I'm always yeah. the little guys, you know, the young guys. That's right. No, guys. it reminds me of uh, what's his name? Uh, when when ah uh, oh, man, there was a Swiss player for Orlando City at some point. Adrian Vinter. Adrian Vinter. Ah oh, man, uh, were you the? To come back. We miss Adrian. Yeah, he's our fave. Yeah, Adrian Vinter, man. Adrian Vinter. Everyone wanted Adrian Vinter, man. So, no, I think, I think, our, uh, are, are you, you do what? We do our closing remarks. We're running late on our, our pod here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're running pretty today, late. Guys. Sorry about that. Yeah, we want to. With Tigres, you know, so much controversy. Yeah, so we want to definitely encourage and we want to definitely, uh, Say congratulations to the four players of Orlando City that were called up before we go. Uh, the first one will be Fabian Loyola, uh, great player. I can't wait to see him uh, play with the first team or OCB, as well as uh, um, Alex Freeman. You know, uh, also uh, a great, great human being, a fantastic player, a lot of future. Thomas Williams um, on the under twenties, and also. Mikey Holiday, right? His uh, his partner in crime, Mikey Holiday, right there. Um, phenomenal player. Nothing to say, but uh, you know, congrats for being called up for national team. I think they're going to do fantastic. And these are Orlando City products. These are Orlando City uh, developed players. So that is uh, something great. But uh, what are your closing remarks, John? Thank you so much, my friend. I just want to say thank you to everybody who came out on Wednesday and it was a great performance by us and we should be really proud of our the way that we represented ourselves in the first time in the Champions League and don't be downhearted we lost on a rule that's not even a rule in the European Champions League anymore so it's uh it was a Disappointing thing to happen, but we we really showed our best selves, and we did America and the U.S. I'm sorry, and the MLS proud. Uh, so thank you to everybody who came out, and please continue to support the club. Um, come out on Saturday. Hopefully, it'll be a big win. And we'll get some goals. And before I go, uh, I want to congratulate the Orlando Pride—a three-two victory over Washington Spirit in their final preseason test. A tough opponent. So Messiah Bright is uh, definitely the striker that they needed right up up top as a nine position. So very happy for her. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for your support. Drop us a like, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you uh, next week. Vamos Orlando, guys. Take care. Vamos Orlando. Take care, guys. Hi, this is Luis Carlos Pineda from Loud and Proud Orlando. I want to thank you for listening to us through Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Help us grow our Purple community by following us on all our social media outlets. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also available on YouTube as Loud and Proud Orlando. We're available on Instagram as Pineda underscore O-R-L. We're available on Facebook as Loud and Proud Orlando. And on Twitter as LPO underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And vamos Orlando.